0: <laughs> isn't it sickening, even... Isn't it sickening, Herbie? Even on C.W., we got a bad hum. <laughs> Look right into your radio. Look carefully. Concentrate. Hold your breath. Be of good cheer. I am here. Il Monstro. <laughs> yeah. La, da, 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 da. I tell you about the scary match cover that I got out of the cigarette machine the other day. Holy smokes. La, da, da, da. you notice that? Yeah. Haven't you uh, noticed what's happening to match covers? You remember when they used to just have uh, ads for tomato sauce on them? You know? And hotels out in St. Louis. You remember those? So they... Uh, now, match covers are uh, are carrying real messages. You know, Oh, boy, some of them can be very embarrassing. You have the match covers become almost a prime means of underground, very subtle, sneaky propaganda. Well, look at this one here now. It, uh, it says, support the abortion law reform. You get that out of a cigarette machine, man, when you put... Your quarters in there, and you know you're with this chick, and you're in this chic East Side restaurant. The next thing you know, would you please give me a little Rasmataz music? If <laughs> you know, tomato sauce was bad enough, but fair enough. Then. All right, hold it, that's enough. all that—that's enough. Right, I reset that, Reset that. Reset that. He said that I'm watching a monster movie. Hey, hey, listen, I want to ask a question. Just come to my, uh, I don't know whether there's any uh, sociological significance here or anything about that important stuff that uh, Nat Hentoff would write about, whether there's any uh, significance to it or not, really, but uh, I'm watching this monster movie the other day, and this monster, he's got his laboratory going, and he's pumping the blood out of everybody, and he's He's, uh, you know, he's, he he has this thing that he could turn people into Christmas tree ornaments or something. He's got a big kite up, and the electricity's coming. You know, the whole shtick And And uh, I'm watching this thing, and I'm fascinated, of course. You know, no question about it, I relate to the monster. I do not relate to the good guy that comes in and gets him, you know, <laughs> and all that. I'm, you know, I'm cheering for the monster. And have you noticed all monsters have got this little, grimy, me, rotten little hunchback with them all the time. Yeah, this little sneaky guy that plays with a little horn. He's always, and into... oh, it's, it's quite a quite a phenomenon, the monster, and it has come to my thinking, for better or for worse, that the monster syndrome is basically a male shtick. I'm sorry, no, 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 no. Male kids go ape over monsters. What are you talking about? Well, that's because a lot of them date them, you know. I mean, oh, excuse me, I mean, but. The... <laughs> Well, I wonder whether girls know all the the uh the wild uh nicknames that male types particularly kids have for girls i mean the very you know about those you don't very good that's delightful <laughs> oh sure you know here's this yeah I remember one time and i'm I'm dating esther Jane Albury, see and uh I've been dating her for a couple of times, you know, about in maybe about in 11th grade or something like that, you know, and, and she's all dressed up with her uh, creton dress with this great big bow, which is placed at exactly the right place to make her look fatter. And uh, she's got this uh, this corsage on that looked like a, uh, well, I'll tell you, it, it looked like, well, of course, I, I must say this to be honest about it anyway, it was a small orchid, and all orchids, to me, look like uh, a small type of animal. that is about to th- vomit or something. They got that funny look, uh, uh, you know, the tongue sticking out. And this uh, oh, yeah, it's an ugly flower. Oh, let's face it. And uh, this, uh, yes, there's such things as ugly flowers. I, I, I'm not a sentimentalist about that. And she had this purple ugly flower on this chartreuse dress with this... Uh, with this uh, bow, you see, that was placed right at the right at the strategic point to add to her ever de Poix, which was considerable anyway. And uh, it wasn't really baby fat. It was more like baby oleo. And so uh, we're dancing around there, and, and the music is playing, and Schwartz goes dancing past me, and he's with Don Strickland, who was an unbelievable chick, and he goes dancing on past me. Schwartz was three feet tall, and Dawn was six feet seven, and they go drifting on past me. Five minutes later, me and Schwartz meet at the Coke counter I see? And uh, he looks at me, and I look at him, and we each have our Coke clasped in our hands, and the two girls have gone off to uh, the ladies' room, and uh, I take a sip of the lukewarm Coke. Schwartz takes a sip of his, and I say, holy smoke, Schwartz, what a pig. He says, which one, yours or mine? I said, "Get! Ah, oh, you're kidding me. Yours are mine. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, these are little things. I suppose the girls have got uh, terms for males. Do they? No, do they? Oh, doggone it. Holy smokes. Well, I've been called a stick. That I know. I overheard a girl one time saying to another girl, oh, what a stick. And I said, oh, is there something sticking you? Can I have? She says, oh, no, no. <laughs> it was nothing. That a year and a half later, I realized that I was the stick that she was stuck with. She was talking about gum. Yes, that's true. Well, I, that's a particularly Jersey term because you see, Gom, Jersey specializes in breeding gums. That, uh, that 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 uh, an Indiana Gom is a round haircut. <laughs> oh yeah, you see many a Gom sitting over there in those diners on Route 40, on Route 22 there. You know the Red Star Diner, places like the Blue Eagle Diner, and they sit in there and their 53 Mercuries out there. And it's got a skull and crossbones in the back window. You know, the kind of guy. And uh, that's a gom. But uh, nevertheless, uh, I still think the monster thing is a is a, is a male thing. And I remember the very first time that I became totally caught up in this monster shtick. I'm about, you know, about 10. And I saw this movie one Saturday afternoon. And it had to do with Frankenstein. It was, you know, Frankenstein and... Uh, you, if, if you can imagine a Frankenstein movie sandwiched between a Roy Rogers movie and a Gene Autry movie, uh, there were three types of monster actually, and they're they're right in the middle was was uh, was Frankenstein, see, and, and it was something about Frankenstein uh, meets the Three Stooges. Some you know this is a great uh, camp uh, confrontation type thing, and and uh, I'm. I'm really digging this. See, I, me and Schwartz and a whole bunch there. Every time Frankenstein, the monster, his name was not Frankenstein. You know, the monster was not Frankenstein. That was the doctor that made him. It was Doctor Frankenstein. I often wondered what he got his doctorate in. But uh, hey, how many of you know that that, uh, that Fu Manchu did have a doctorate and he was Doctor Fu Manchu? You know, you've heard the insidious Doctor Fu Manchu. Well, I'm one of the very few people who know because I I was a student of Fu Manchu for years that. uh, very few people know what Dr. Fu Manchu had his doctorate in. Now, don't call up and say orchidology. He was a... His hobby was orchids. He grew these man-eating orchids. A great hobby. And, uh... Yeah. Well, he also grew man-eating toadstools, which was kind of good. I remember the time he fed C. and Smith for the toadstools, but... Uh, <laughs> that brings up a thought. Can't you imagine yourself getting attacked by a toadstool in a dark alley some night, you know? But, uh, Nevertheless, uh... Uh, Dr. Fu Manchu did have a doctorate, and I will award the brass fidigi with bronze oak leaf pomp to anyone here tonight who can tell me what his field of study was. What Dr. Fu Manchu took his doctorate in and where he did his undergraduate work. You would be astounded. Would you please bring a little monster music in there? And tonight, this concerned radio station, deeply involved in the great cross currents of our time takes this small moment out of a busy hurly-burly day of rough and tumble broadcasting to salute, if we may, the monsters that have given us so much great times over the past 4,000 eons, ranging all the way from Oedipus, ranging all the way from Cyclops, all the way on to, well, yes, how many of you remember Dr. Cyclops? He's a great monster. And we want to salute all those monsters, past and present, including the present program directorship here at W R R. Bring it up. There's all kinds of monsters. Bring it up, baby. Well, I want to tell you, my first, my first real experience in showbiz, you know, they always talk to actors and performers. After all, you know, I'm a performer, and actor type, showbiz. They always say, well, when did you first begin to act? How did you know that you were drawn to the theater? How did you... What was the, what was the first magnetic pull that drew you into this vortex of, of uh, public entertainment? What... Did you get the call? People somehow relate the acting and showbiz with the ministry or something. You know, you get the call. and, and uh, Well, I'll tell you how I got the call. It was after I saw Frankenstein, the time that Frankenstein met the Three Stooges. I realized as I came home that night on the way back from the Orpheum Theater I am walking along a sidewalk stiff-legged and I am playing a monster. And I became in the next two years so unbelievably adept at playing Frankenstein's monster that whenever I wanted to scare my old lady right out of her chenille bathrobe I would come stalking out of the john my jaw hanging slack a heavy limp I was dragging my left leg. <laughs> and I would limp along. Uh, my, uh, 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 uh. I would pretend, see, I was trying to communicate with the world around me, which, as you remember, Frankenstein's monster was always doing. Uh, 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 uh. My mother would say, Don't do that, stop it. I'd go, uh, 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 uh. And I would come stalking up to her with my hands like two claws, about to reach out for her neck. (laughs) Stop it, stop it, stop it. My kid brother would start crying under the (laughs) daybed. I would turn. (laughs) I would stalk towards the daybed. My kid brother. (laughs) We would have to immediately change him, immediately after that. (laughs) (laughs) The only one who never fell for it was my old man. He'd just sit there with a can of beer, you know. He'd look at me and he'd say, "I seen stuff like, listen, I seen stuff that would curl your hair, kid." Then he would get up and throw his shoulders out of joint. He had this trick. He'd go, "Oh, oh, oh, oh!" Instantly, I would stop being Frankenstein's monster and become a blob of silly putty. Oh, 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 oh! I'm (laughs) scared. All right, all right, that's enough of that. I just wonder if there's anybody out there who. uh, What is that? See, I didn't know. Dr. Frankenstein did not take his... Dr. Fu Manchu did not take his doctorate in demonology. Come on. Which reminds me, this is WOR, friends. And this is the fun station here. And we're right here in the heart of Fun City. And uh, this is Radio Free Broadway. And this is me. (laughs) But only partly so, Sir. There was only one of the doctorates that Dr. Fu Manchu had, and, and you did not include, he had, a, he had a doctorate in one other field. And the field that he had this doctorate in, he actually practiced in this field, and some say that he is even now practicing in the field that he took that, that final doctorate. That is correct. That is correct. I'll be doggone, there is another person out there who knows that. I wonder how many of you know that. That Dr. Fu Manchu, that's right, somebody called in. I'm going. To, this is one of those rare times I'm going to put it out. Dr. Fu Manchu, and this will astound a lot of you, was a doctor who practiced pediatrics. He was a pediatrician, I'm not kidding you. And this is what's going to astound even more of you. Dr. Fu Manchu took his medical degree at Ohio State. Now you just put that one in your old opium pipe, friend. Puff on that a while. But that one blow your mind. I mean, it, 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 it's a it's a great thought, a great picture though. To see Doctor Fu Manchu, you know, he's 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 working his way, he's pre med and all that, you know, and he's sitting out there in the uh, at the Ohio State Stadium, and he's in the cheering section, and he's got this little beanie that says OSU on it. And uh, he's a student. He was a student at that time. He had not yet gone into the monster business, you know. This, it was not always. You know, a guy doesn't start right out at the age of three, wanting to control the world. It's only later on when he gets his, you know, gets into... Well, this, this happens to pediatricians. That's right. It really, honestly, seriously does. The pediatrician has always been known as an oddball among doctors, you know. <laughs> because, you see, a, a, a baby is like a silly putty. You can do anything with him, you know. But when you're dealing with a 42-year-old guy in the office, you're going to say, are you out of your mind? What do you mean, stick pins the bat's wings? Don't give me that, Doc. The kid will do it, you know. So, uh, you know, there are a lot of things. And, and uh, Dr. Fu Manchu practiced pedi- pa- pediatrics for a while. And he took his. Uh, I, I, I like to think of the picture. One of my favorite mental pictures of of Doctor Fu. All right, friends. How many of you know Doctor Fu Manchu's first name? It was not Fu. No, Fu Manchu was uh, was a family name. It was his mother's name, a maiden name. Uh, Doctor Fu Manchu. What was his first name? Any of you know that? his name. Uh, well, why do you just shrug your shoulders and pretend that since you don't know it, that that is so important? This is all history of our time. And uh, Dr. Fu Manchu took his degree at OSU, Ohio State, on an exchange scholarship basis, in case you're really interested. And it was not from Peking University, but it was an exchange scholarship from Edinburgh. And he took his degree at OSU. And there is some evidence, in fact, there was even one reference in one of the great works of Sachs Rumor, that Dr. Fu Manchu at one time went out for football at OSU. Don't look. And I'll tell you what book it is. It, it's, in. it's in. It's in a novel called Fu Manchu for President. All right. And one of my great pictures is Dr. Fu Manchu... Not doctor yet, of course. Well, he was a doctor; he had a doctor in uh, philosophy, but uh, it was a PhD really. But he was working on his MD, his uh, pediatrics. And uh, I can see him sitting out there in the cheering section. They have these big red cards, you know. Chew, fool man, choo! Get out of here! Why am I surrounded with, with 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 insipid people here tonight who refuse to take? And and there's a great, there's a great. Uh, I'm sorry. There's a great. Uh, I, I sense it in the air. There's a. There's a. There's a terrible. No, his name was not Jack. I'll give you a clue. His first name was not Clarence. And I keep getting these calls. Uh, why? Why? Uh, it's. Uh, I don't know what the word, the word is. Uh, uh, I don't know. I sense it out there today. Nobody's taking me seriously here. What is this? Anyway, Doctor Manchu. Uh... That out there in that, and I can just see him in the in the cheering section at OSU. They're playing uh, Michigan. That was a tough ball game, you know, in Michigan and OSU. That was a traditional rivalry, and I could see Doctor Fu Manchu out there. You know, had the red cards, and they're making a big lion and a tiger with the red cards. And uh, Doctor Fu Manchu, at that point, uh, it is it is uh, recorded as he looked around Ohio State Stadium began to formulate his first germinal plans for taking over the United States as a step towards taking over the world. Okay? Well, you can do that. It's easy to do that out of a football stadium, you know, when you see that nuttiness going on. You know, speaking of nuttiness, uh, a couple of nights ago, we had a little discussion here about that tiger. <laughs> but uh, we got to get back to our, our uh, basic theme here. And here's our basic theme tonight. I waited. Uh... Well, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute now. Just a minute. Listen, if Eugene McCarthy can ramble on, I can too. You know? I mean, after all, we I mean, don't expect. Uh... But I'm not rambling, you see. I know exactly where I'm going here because uh, I was watching that monster last night and I realized that males have a great. They're attracted to monsters. And I don't know many chicks that really are, although I've wondered about some marriages that I've seen. However, uh, here is a letter that I want to read to you. It's a very important letter here. This kid writes me a letter, and he says, Shepard, I'm with you on that S.O. election. I am for the ad manager. My problem is my dumb girlfriend. She's for the tiger because he's so cute. This has caused me a great deal of trouble. Last night, while... While driving around, I stopped at an S.O. station to gas up. I got my, quote, winning ticket, the thing with the ballot on the top, and proceeded to fill it out in favor the ad manager. It was a vote for the ad manager. My girl hit the roof. She wouldn't let me near her the rest of the evening. Sat over there and sulked. All this has caused me to reconsider my political position. I'm beginning to wonder if I am supporting the... If my supporting... The ad manager is worth all the frustration it is causing me. It has forced a point and it has actually reached the position where I'm forced to make a choice between the ad manager and my girl. This throws the entire election into a new light. The ad manager may be a swell fellow, but my girl is okay, too. What is a guy to do? And then he says, P.S. She also objects when I buy Playboy. Even though I tell her it's just to read your short stories, like the one on the current issue, which she made me throw out of the window on Route 22. That's an expensive little bit of business to throw out of the window on Route 22. Well, kid, I want to tell you this. I wonder how many guys vote for a presidential candidate just to keep peace in the House. <laughs> I'm serious. And women have a tendency to vote for people because they're cute. And that, uh, you know, that's... a. Uh, that's bad news, and I, I just want to tell you how cute that tiger is. We have a note that just came in, and this uh, came in on Reuters, which is a very official news agency, and you know, if you think that the, uh, that the establishment is bad in your neighborhood, listen to this, friends. A man-eating tiger has killed more than 25 persons and 50 cows in the Hazaribagh area in the space of less than three months. Officials said. Local hunters said they could not shoot the animal because tiger shooting was prohibited in the area and the authorities had not given the necessary permission. And so tonight, maybe that cute little tiger is working away on the, uh, assistant mayor. Who knows? I just want you to know that, uh, that tigers... Now, now that, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a problem here, though, with tigers, uh, Although it, i I've always felt that the, that the more the, the more the more lethal the danger, the more beautiful it is no this this is a, the direct correlation between beauty and danger. In fact, some of the most deadly snakes in the world are beautiful. you ever see a coral snake? I'll tell you that coral snake is a, is about as pretty a thing as nature's ever created. beautiful little snake oh yeah. Did you ever see a hooded cobra? Look really carefully. That's a beautiful snake. It's a lovely creature. Did you ever see, uh, for example, uh, speaking of deadly things, did you ever see a lion? Beautiful animal. Oh, boy, he stretches, you see. Looks around. You ever see those great big old fat teeth? And they're so white. So white, I'll tell you, though. uh, There's a definite correlation between beauty and evil. And, and, and any guy, oh, uh, this, uh, males all secretly know this. Because, oh, uh, well, let me tell you, uh, uh, I have known many a stainless steel chick in my time. But uh, you get involved with this girl and it's like walking into an electric fan, going full blast, beautiful. Well, let, let look at some of the other beautiful things. You ever looked at the, uh, a fighter plane? It's a beautiful thing. That's beautiful. Uh, think of other things. Uh, you ever watched a, a, a great thunderstorm come up? It's beautiful. Oh, it is. Look look, look here for it. All that rose and that, that flickering lightning. Those great shifting colors. It's a beautiful thing. The sea. There's a classic, boy. And that's a real bad scene. Oh, boy. And the more beautiful the sea, quite often the more... Deadly it is, because that water changes color, and that shows you things, uh, you know, bad. Uh, As a flyer, I can tell you that sometimes, you know, you get up there, and uh, and, uh, some of the most beautiful weather is some of the most treacherous weather. Oh, it's true that, that a cold winter day, gray, cold winter day, is quite often... One of the safest flying days around. Did you know that? And you go out in the middle of the summer and the temperature is 85 degrees, 90 degrees. The sun is sitting up there in the sky. Oh, look out for that density altitude, friends. Look out. You get convection currents that will flip you right over on your back and suck you down into a big hole. And you never see it. Beautiful. Never thought of it that way, huh? Oh, yeah. yeah. there's a lot of little things like that. Huh? Have, you, have you ever seen the, 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 the coast of Maine, for example? Those great rocks, those great, great, enormous black cliffs rising. Some of the most treacherous sea along the entire seaboard is right there. Thunder Hole. Oh, boy. Yeah. The desert. You fly over that desert, let me tell you, friends, I don't think there's anything more beautiful than to fly over the Sahara Desert at twilight. It is indescribably beautiful. One of the great beautiful things of all time. And yet, if all the people who were swallowed up by the Sahara Desert were to stand one hand to the next, they would stretch even longer than that Peel's Beer crowd. I'll tell you... Yes, sir. Speaking of beautiful things, I'll never forget the time I saw my first northern iceberg. Let me tell you, not many things come prettier than an iceberg. Stands up there tall and sharp and white and clean, the sun glinting. You could just see those those blue crevices in it just drifting down like some kind of magic fairy rivers. You see the water moving around it, and the water is blue and it reflects that iceberg. Oh, boy. But look out. Look out. Right now, tonight, the Titanic lies in almost 800 feet of water as a result of tangling with that little piece of beauty. And there are other things, other things. For example, the Peruvian jungle. The beauty of the Peruvian jungle. I cannot even remember. Great orchids, enormous tropical birds, tremendous flowers. You could smell those those cold Andean rivers going down to join the Amazon. I remember looking out across this river in the at the head. In fact, it didn't even have a name. It was a it was a tributary river that came down into a stream that finally joined the Ucayali, which eventually joined the Amazon. And it was about, oh, I would say it was about as wide as 6th Avenue. Now the Andes rose up off into the very close, near distance, just rose straight up in the air, all covered with white snow. And this river flowed along. The water almost looked like crystal. You could drink it. It really was clear, beautiful, great water. At least that's the way it looked. Cold, ice cold. Just flowing. You know, this feeding, you know, if you had a if you had a fly rod, you could sit there all day, just to, and the reeds grew out of the sides, and the jungle came down to the edge of it. And the guy that I was with says, we've got, to, we've got to boil this water for about 15 minutes before we drank it, and we were going to drink this water. And I said, why? He says, well, this is some of the most deadly water in the world. I said, what's in it? He said that there is a rare parasite that lives in this water. An invisible microscopic parasite that destroys the liver. And he said, and it is fatal. He said, the only way we can get rid of it is to boil it. And I said, well, you mean it always works? Always. He says, this water is alive with it. And so I take the bucket and I start to go down the shore to get some of this water, which was the little Tasky that had been given to me. And I Had to go down the shore. And he says, oh, yeah, by the way, he says, stay on the shore and and get out on that pontoon of the plane and dip up the water there. He says, don't get in the water. And I said, why? Piranha. (laughs) So, you know, I I thought, well, gee whiz, you know, the Raritan River looks pretty rotten. And uh, the Hackensack River looks like a mud hole. But it doesn't have piranha. And uh, as far as I know, you don't have these rare liver flukes that turn your ears blue and turn you inside out in three weeks. <laughs> oh, I've seen some some lovely things that were dangerous as all get out. For example, curiously enough, one of the most da- one of the most beautiful things in operation today. Have You ever seen a missile cruiser? A missile cruiser. This is a cruiser, a ship of the of the line. A naval ship, a particular type of ship, a long, sleek, fast cruiser, and they're lovely. I saw one from the air one time. I was flying in a helicopter off of a carrier, and down below us was the cruiser Boston. You might have heard of it. It's a missile cruiser, and the decks were teak wood, and had been wholly stoned right down to the point, and they were glistening in the Mediterranean sun, and they were they were they looked, they looked like ivory carved out of ivory, a beautiful ship. You could see that long wake she was making in the blue med leaving behind all that great white frothy water. And it was a missile cruiser, one of the most beautiful ships in the line. I, I looked down and I said, that's beautiful. The pilot says, oh boy, she sure is. And she was cutting through that water and I could see in the the up there in the, the, uh, the front of the ship there where they had this great Missile launching pad to see it sitting there, the big reflector behind it, with a little touch where you could see where the where the uh, rockets that had been fired off of this baby had uh, had seared the edge of that great shield, and she went sailing along in the sun with all of her signal flags flying and the the, the wind sighing through her radar tower. It was just beautiful. Well, there were other things that uh, had this sneaky. Uh, yet beautiful quality to them. So you never know. Uh, speaking of beautiful things uh, that that have a tendency to leap out and get you, what is more beautiful than, say, a Damascus sword? Have you ever seen a, a, a real, uh, in the museums, you look, one of these beautiful carved Damascus swords? Oh, boy, just just made right for lopping off heads of the infidels. <laughs> you know, or vice versa. Or was it the infidels that lopped the heads of the crusaders? I don't know. But the, the beauty, the strange uh, correlation between beauty and, and evil has always existed. You notice that whenever the devil is shown, he's a handsome man? Oh, yeah, think about that. The devil's got high cheekbones. He's, he's always... You never see a short, fat, pimply devil. No, no, you know, a little short... Oh, no, he's always, he always has this, this magnificent uh, sculpted head, and his eyes are deep set. He looks a little like Gregory Peck, you know. The devil always has, you know, with that, that beautifully, that that cut goatee. Oh, the devil is a handsome man. He always wears these great clothes. He's always dressed to the nines you with know, a big cape, and red uh, that red silk lining. The devil is a handsome son of a gun, you know. Let's face it, if he walked into Cheetah tonight, I mean, tell you... In like fact, he's probably down there tonight, right now. Maybe leading the band. Who knows? You know, playing the playing the Fender bass. I don't. Know. But nevertheless, <laughs> oh, the, the the correlation is always there. Uh, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you one of the eeriest ones of all. I happened to be in a position one time aboard a aboard a ship. And um, have you ever actually seen? No, I better not. I better not, Frank. <laughs> it, gets, it gets a little scary at this point. But, uh, but suffice it to say, I've always been intrigued, myself, personally. I've always been intrigued with the peculiar uh, parallel between beauty and danger. It seems to somehow go together. Let's take the city... New York. New York, in a crazy way, is one of the most beautiful cities in the world. It is. Certainly one of the most exciting cities in the world, and yet... Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it can kill you in a lot of ways, this city. I tell you, it can graduate you right down to little itsy-bitsy pieces. Oh, yeah. And there are other things. I remember one time flying over Labrador. Now, I, I uh, the particular time I was flying over Labrador was in the dead of winter. And as far as I could see, this beautiful, unbelievable green... rolling country went all the way to the horizon and between every rolling hill there must have been a thousand lakes visible just looking around the horizon at that point and frozen rivers and frozen forests black forests that were so green they looked like they were made out of India ink and yet Labrador is one of the most bleak dangerous countries on the face of the globe do you know that? oh A real killer. And yet, I flew over this thing and I thought, gee, that's even prettier than Darien. Look at it. And yet, on the other hand, Darien is one of the most dangerous of cities. Oh, yeah. A lot of ways. A lot of ways. Suck you right down into that little league morass. And you'll be lost without a trace in the great swamp of the PTA. You'll go down for the last time, leaving a few little bubbles of martini and diet yoo behind you. And they won't weep a tear. They just swing loose. Just take a deep breath once in a while. And it's too bad isometrics are now out of style. What's in now? jocking, huh? What'll be the next one? Well, six one, half a dozen of the other. <laughs>